Welcome to Season 2, Episode 15 of the Amplified Marriage Podcast. Today we are in Part 3 of our Pick Your Poison series, and we are going to be chatting about projection and gaslighting. Welcome to another episode of Amplified Marriage. I'm Brian. I'm Natalie. So glad that you joined us. Whatever you're doing, wherever you are, as you hear us say all the time, have a seat, grab a coffee. We are going to have a conversation today. Uh, We are actually continuing into part three of our Pick Your Poison series. That's right. So if you missed last podcast... Part two, we talked about defensiveness and we talked about stonewalling. So we kind of gave some examples. We dove deep into what each of those mean, I guess would be the right word. And then an antidote on how to on how to on how to deal with defensiveness and stonewalling. So if you missed it, go check it out. Right. Every time we do one of these <laughs> these uh episodes we move into a new topic as we're doing research and kind of you know, preparing our way through this and studying our way through this, we always look back on our own relationship. And yeah. we're like, a lot of these cases, like honestly, uh, for all of you Amplified Marriage family that have been listening the last of the while, there's been times that we've actually got into arguments before we've had to record a podcast. Yeah. Because we disagreed on something that was said or the way we were going to say it, or mm-hmm. it actually struck a chord. You're like, man, I actually do this. Mm-hmm. Or she would point out that I would actually do this. Right. And I would be like, no. And then I would be and like, and a discussion or an argument would ensue. Sometimes it heated a few times, and we've had to to actually come to resolution before we could even record. Yep. Um, the thing is about any relationship, even before we move mm-hmm. on to these next ones, man, the more we research relationships, the more we study and we prepare, and the more that we actually grow as a couple, Yeah. <laughs> we're re- realizing that we're not great all the time at this. No. And, and I I don't want you to think ever that as we're yeah, we're explaining. doing this, as we're explaining these things that we just have it all together all the time. No. I can tell you the first however many years, 10 years, 12 years of marriage, it was not together all the time. And no, and still not. And still not together all together all the time. What I will say is that now it's healthy. And yes. In most ways, I would yeah. say that we're healthy. Yeah, we're at a good. We're moving place. forward. We're in a good place. Um, we're able to talk about our dreams and talk about our future, and yeah. you know, pray things through together. There was a time where we just couldn't do any of that. No, and it seemed super bleak. Right, like there was no. There we was had no, no hope. support system. Um, remember what we've said in several podcasts that it was kind of a taboo thing to seek professional help. Right, where we sitting at this platform are advocating for professional help because it's so important. And it's helped. It's It has helped. And I kick myself now for not having done it sooner. Right. And a lot of what we, we even talk about and the things that we're going to go into and the people that we want to bring on later, it's because we want to be able to to take things that may seem normal to you because that's the, the way you're living your life right. and realize that not everything is normal and, right. or not everything that you're doing has to stay that way. Right. And I think that was the big thing that we 
we had to fight through. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times, like you said, without help, we just did it on our own. Yep. And I, I regret that up until a certain point. And then I had people around me and yeah. we had help. And then you, we've seen counselors and we've sat down and just discussed things through. But mm-hmm. whatever we tell you, we want you to realize that there is hope. There is a yeah. light at the end of the tunnel. There is um, joy that can come from your relationship. There is yeah. peace. There is resolution to these things. Conflict yeah. doesn't have to be your primary mode of communication. That's right. And there's um, there's help available. And I mean, for us, like we were even just talking about this fact today that when we got married, like we didn't have the internet that we have, that we have today. We didn't <laughs> right. have the resources of being able to just, hey, Google, search this or search this topic or that topic or, imagine- or having you know, psychologists reports. I mean, we had to go to the library and we had to like pick books up and there was no online capabilities back then. So, I mean, if you wanted to spend your time reading books, which we didn't, um, and we certainly didn't want to fall under the stigma of needing professional help. So we just kind of winged it on our own. And I, I highly do not recommend that. Right. And so... Uh, as we move forward into the next two topics, which we have said uh, are, we've kind of held them a little bit close to our chest. Mm-hmm. It's projection and gaslighting. And, and the, Ooh, these are, mm, these are going to be interesting are ones. ones. They're two major tactics. They're two major um, relationship breakdown things yep. that can actually lead to divorce, just like, like any of these other ones we've been mm-hmm. talking about, but they can lead to divorce. They are poison and they need to be dealt with. Now, uh, we're going to start with projection, and this really is this is the definition of it. it is the act of placing unacceptable feelings or unas- unacceptable wants or desires onto another person. Mm-hmm. And the example of that is a person who feels inferior constantly accuses others of being stupid or incompetent. Right. So you're essentially projecting your insecurities of how you're actually feeling right onto somebody else, so that you don't have to feel those. Right. If that makes sense, and you might think, well, that's just stupid. Um, and it happens more often than we want to give credit for. And I, I feel like this is one of those, unless you're acutely aware of the, I don't know if the signs would be the right word or. But having, a, you have to, if you are someone. Because it who, happens on a subconscious level. Right. It happens on a subconscious level. And if you're not emotionally aware of yourself, like we constantly are hammering home on everything you need to be accountable for your behavior for your actions the things you say even the things that you're thinking towards your spouse Mm -hmm. if that's the case um projection is a really tough one because it's so internal and it happens because there's been damage there's been hurt there's been things that have happened in your life and so subconsciously these are the things that are going out and it it really helps you or really pushes you to just say and do things that you maybe think, I can't believe I said and did that, but that's what happens. That's right. And, and then gaslighting will go into how it piggybacks onto the onto projection because projection, like we're feeling, we're feeling all the feelings. We're feeling overly hurt. We're right. feeling defensive. We're feeling sensitive about something that somebody said or did. Right. And then allowing that to become obsessive in our thoughts, that right. that is what we're simply focusing on rather than dealing with, what's really going on. Right. And the goal of uh, projection is just to shift and change the responsibility and blame uh, and blame from ourself, from who we are onto someone else. That's So right. it's really easy for us to, to project something. Uh, and so 
we don't actually have to deal with it or deal with the emotion or deal with the fallout or the consequences. Yeah. But if we blame someone else, then we absolve ourselves of responsibility. That's right. And let's just, you know, talk about the elephant in the room. Yes, projection is a form of emotional abuse. Absolutely. As is gaslighting, as is defensiveness, as and scapegoating. And right. all um, those. Uh, contempt and criticism. And so if you have found yourself kind of at like at the victim end of abuse, you might be totally unaware that that is what is actually happening, right. that your spouse or your family member or your friends or your coworkers, your boss, whoever might be projecting their feelings onto you because you have such little worth and little identity and little, um, what's the word? Value. Un- unsure of your own reality right, right. that you take whatever they say hook line and sinker and and you adopt that as your own right it's so twisted right and and the thing is is that uh, projections oftentimes but like they are a defense mechanism um that's built up and is uh, and it usually comes from the ego like like I, it, dealing with dealing with, i'm sure everyone's projected but i'm sure there's i know there's been times in my life where Something has gone wrong mm-hmm. uh, at work. And instead of just being and owning it and saying, you know what, that's my bad. That's right. my responsibility. Yep. My ego was pushing me towards, like, no, I don't want to take the hit for this. My pride gets in the way and I'm not actually going to deal with it. Right. So uh, our kids, when we were talking about this and stuff, they're like, well, like, what is that? Can you give me an example? And so here's the example that I gave. Um, and then we'll we'll add another example when we get into gaslighting of both of those at play. So. I had said to my son, hey, so what if I had said to dad, hey, like, I can't believe right. that, like, you look like you're putting on some weight. And, and I'll say that because he would never say that to me. Um, when all the while, it shifts the focus off of myself for feeling incompetent or feeling shame because I actually put on weight. I then deflect that onto him and mm-hmm. project my own insecurities onto him. And then he's like, well, I don't know. I don't think I gained weight. And then I, I find him, you know, weighing himself in the bathroom. And right. he's like, oh my gosh, I did gain weight. When all the while it had nothing to do with him. But he internalized that and took that on as as part of his own being. Because you projected it onto me. Exactly. And I'm I'm like, oh man, because, you know, like, and I'm insecure in that area. Now someone can, like, here's the other part of that is that someone could project something onto you and just you just be like... <laughs> whatever you whatever that's a big no i know that i haven't i've actually lost like there's been times where someone has said to me oh it looks like you've gained weight and i was actually on the scale and they haven't seen me in a while and Mm -hmm. i'm like i've actually lost 15 pounds like it's happened and and uh, but i was uh, but uh, but that part i was actually aware of myself i was confident in what i knew but sometimes in areas because everyone's insecure in a certain area when natalie would say that to me if that's the case i would go to the bathroom and be like man maybe i have Oh crap, my pants don't fit right. Or yeah. like my shirt's kind of stuck stuck to my belly now and yeah. be insecure about it on my own because of what she said to me because she was trying to get the focus off of her. That's right. Even though I wasn't necessarily focused on that, she was and she didn't want to have to focus and on it. And you're like, you know, the golden rule of if you've got nothing nice to say, why say anything? And you're right. <laughs> uh, like, was that comment completely necessary? Yeah, right. No. Right. And oftentimes people who project on a regular basis really have a difficulty putting themselves in other people's shoes. Right. And and the thing about um, that is, is part of the antidote to projection is actually being emotionally aware. Mm-hmm. And you've heard us say before, there's a pastor that we follow and he says, you don't know what you don't know. Yeah. And after this and today, you're going to know a little bit more about projection. 
you're going to hear it. You may even see it in yourself. But the thing is, is that projection actually is blind spots. They're blind spots because we're not aware of it. And almost everyone has engaged in this. Like I've engaged in it many times. Um, It's difficult to know when you're doing it, but the the things that we're going to speak on next, like even some of the the things that we project onto others, and maybe this is something that you're doing. Did you have something you want to add? Well, it like... It clouds your own vision. Right. Um, And we've said in almost every single podcast of you have to own your stuff. Right. And that's the good, the bad, and the ugly. Yeah. And not just the good things you do. Not just the good things about yourself that you like, but also own the places in your heart, the places in your thoughts um, that you go to, to those dark places. And you have to be real with yourself in those things. And people who project, it could just be from habit. Because again, uh, I can't remember which podcast where we're like, you tend to operate out of what you, well, that, no, you know what you know or whatever you just you said. You don't know what you don't know. Yeah. And so if this is how you've uh, communicated in order to get your way or in order to get satisfaction with whatever you need satisfaction with, um, you might be unaware that this is actually toxic. Right. But it does cloud your vision and it, it skews your own perception of reality. Right. And and that in of itself, you know, when we when we move into gaslighting, which alters someone's reality, it manipulates it. Projection takes that it morphs a person or situation into something that that was not even there and that they're not. Right. Right? Because you can't cope with those feelings within yourself. Right. And uh a lot of uh when you when you are involved or you are projection is the way that you communicate yeah you become a really susceptible to placing yourself as a victim oh, you gosh. put yourself in the self-victimization no one yep. else does it for you you're not blaming no one else is blaming you for something but you're doing that and that always generally always is an indication that there's something inside you that needs to be addressed right and if you are a person who is a victim of this really making step outside the situation and really observe right there's something to be said about people of, of observing people and commun- people who communicate. Right. Um, because if somebody's always the victim and they do nothing wrong and they're always blaming other people, the chances mm-hmm. of them being huge projectors is really high. Yeah. Right? That's for sure. And so here's some of the things that, that we, yeah. we say we because we're- just, Oh, we've done this. We're all part of this, but yeah. people will uh, project fear and anxiety, shame, yep. uh, insecurities, from childhood pain that they're dealing with, trauma, repressed desires. Oh, our parents. <laughs> and that's a big one. Expectations. Our parents, but also our parents' expectations. Uh, judgment, unfinished business, uh, the pent-up emotions that you're not actually dealing yeah. with. And, and some of the core beliefs, and, and that actually is a whole, the core beliefs thing is a whole other topic because of the way the polarization of varying opinions in our current climate and culture. That's um, right, but... But it still falls under this because someone could place such, uh, almost send the other person. And that's why talking about what your belief systems are ahead of time is so important. Right. Because I don't want to be blindsided by something that was deep within you that you kind of kept a secret until it served a purpose to bring it up. And it's like, well, now. Now what? Now what? <laughs> right? Like we're married now. And I wish I would have known this before because this might have been a deal breaker for me. Right. Right. So really making sure that we're talking about these things. I love um, 
we're moving into the antidote. So psychotherapist and clinical psychologist Joseph Berger. So this Bergo. is this is part of the antidote. We've yeah, actually so he wrote a, a huge, incredible article on um projection. And so this is what he says about antidotes. And he had like a whole list of them. And I mean, you can go look him up, but these were two that he really focused on that I think are really helpful. So he says to look inward again, that self awareness, that self realization, accountability, responsibility, exactly owning my part. And he says this about projection. Projection is by definition, a turning outward. The first step is to make the shift to self-awareness. So take stock of how you're feeling, how you're breathing, and so on. This will help interrupt your obsessive focus on the problem person and redirect your attention to where it can do some good. So I think even as we break this down to to where it can do some good, when you project onto someone else because of your own issues, you're not doing that person or yourself any good. No. One, because now you're making them feel worse about themselves because of something you said, and you're not taking responsibility of the fact that, hey, I'm actually projecting my own lack onto this other person. So it's it's like a double whammy of no good. And not even realizing the psychological damage that you're putting on that other person. And half the time, they're not even aware that that's what's happening. Right, absolutely. So it's um, get in tune with yourself and get real with yourself. Absolutely. So, um, and this is still Joseph Burgo. He says, difficult people may well possess the same negative traits that you disavow in yourself. Wow. We often project into reality, meaning that if we're a very critical person, I love this. We all know someone who's critical. We'll project it onto someone who actually is critical. But they're not only critical, and you need to try to see them in their full humanity. Mm-hmm. And if they're truly toxic, you need to shield yourself from them. I love this part. Rather than making use of them, to disown parts of yourself that you don't like. Right. I preached a message this last week for church, and one of the very first talking about unity in the church and unity in relationships, and it's a biblical concept, Yeah, something that God has created. But inside of marriage, we believe that marriage is a biblical covenant that God created. And something that happens inside of a marriage is one of my points to actually dealing and creating unity and guarding unity, even in a marriage, we'll take mm-hmm. it in the marriage context, is to identify and eliminate a critical spirit. Right. And to and to get rid of it and to to cut it out of your life. There's people that are in your relationship that are going to be toxic, they're going to be yep. that are around you that are not supporting you, they're not moving you forward, they're not trying to challenge you in healthy ways. Not challenge you like, "Oh, you know, I can't believe you married him," but challenge you is like, mm-hmm. "How can you make this better? How can you what 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 is your responsibility in all of this?" That's right. We need to cut out the criticism because criticism is so dangerous. It's so well, criticism is was the first poison, which then it's a domino effect as right. we're going through. Uh, there's a huge there's a huge pattern right. that we've noticed. And we've said this before. Own. Own those parts of yourself. Don't disown them and then project them onto other people. Right. And I do want to clarify something. If you're married or in, in a committed relationship and you're married to someone and they're a critical person and they're engaging in a critical spirit, we are not saying that you cut them out, that you walk away from the relationship. We're no. saying is that there's hope, there is things that you can do to make this better if uh, and move that relationship forward. We're not saying just give up and walk away because no. it got hard. No. And we have been together 20 years only because we haven't given up when it got hard. 
That's right. And then there's a time where it's time to walk away. Yeah. Right? And so just saying, well, this is this person. So they're projecting. They've been projecting for years. Well, that's it. That's the end of my marriage. That's um, not true. That's not what we're saying. Um, that's the whole point of our podcast is to bring to light these issues that one, we've not heard anybody talk about. Right. And two, we've walked it. Yep. So, and what we haven't walked, we bring guests on. Yeah. Um, and that's very important. And it's to bring awareness to a situation where you might, this might be the very thing that you're like, we need help. Right. We need professional mm-hmm. help. And I suggest that if that's you and you find yourself, I opened, the light bulb has gone off, seek professional help, right. get the help. Right. And so obviously you've heard us uh, say it a few times, it's gaslighting and just in how that works in the relationship. So this is what gaslighting, gaslighting aims to create an amount of confusion of self-doubt in the victim. Mm. Now, the term is actually based on a stage play and movie uh, called Gaslight. And which, this is from 1938. 1938, where the husband attempts to drive his wife crazy by dimming the lights in their home and then denying the lights were dimmed when his wife points out this fact. So right. trying to alter her reality by saying something isn't actually happening. Right. So wife is sitting in the kitchen, leaves the kitchen, turns the lights off, does whatever else she's going to do, goes back to the kitchen, the lights are on. Yeah. And then she makes a comment saying, hey, like, did you turn the lights on? No, you must have, you must have forgot to turn them off. Right. <laughs> right? So then she's like, maybe I forgot to turn them off. Okay. And, and, but then over and over and over and over again to infinity and beyond. It's that same repetition right. in everything. And it's a form of emotional abuse it because is emotional this abuse. is because it causes victims to question their own feelings, memory, instincts, and sense of reality. And here's this some, is so dangerous. No, and thus I want you to stop and find marriage family and just in a minute, just do these following phrases sound familiar? You must be going crazy. That's not what happened. You don't know what you're talking about. Oh, you're just imagining things. Oh, no need to be, need to be sensitive. I was only joking. Do you have someone in your life, uh, in your relationships? with? Maybe it's with your spouse. Maybe it's just a relationship. Are they saying things like this to you? Then you might be in, on the recipient of some gaslighting. That's right. And it, like the whole thing is to manipulate right. you into doubting your feelings. And, and the one who's doing it, is, is aware that they're doing this. And it's about a they want to control the situation. They want to control the other person because it gives them a sense of like I think there's like, a sense of satisfaction. Satisfaction and well, look I have power. I can do this to someone. Yeah. That and they control the narrative and I think um but but also on the other side of things there's also that side where cuz do you want to get to the story that we want to kind of bring along? Well, not quite yet. Uh is we'll, we'll get there. Okay. So they want to manipulate you into doubting your own feelings. They want to confuse you and make you, make you doubt yourself so that you'll more likely go along with what they want. Right. I'm very passionate about this because not only has this happened in our marriage, and I can't say it has happened like we're going to tell one story where it was very obvious. Maybe it's happened before and I'm just, I don't know, like it didn't come back to memory. Um. But as an adult with uh, people in my life, this has happened over and over and over again. The truth is, is those that like you have a unique perspective to this because it's been happening for as long as we've been married mm-hmm. with your family. Mm-hmm. It has been just toxic right from the beginning. 
But at the beginning, we didn't realize what we were getting into. We didn't know what it was. We didn't, and it's just. And it, you just slough it off and you justify it. And all, I mean, if you want us to go into more depth about that and about narcissism and the effects that that has on people, right? give us a shout out. Um, email us. Email us. Reach out to us. Um, and And if none of you don't, then later on, I think as I can put my thoughts down on paper, really break it down into a series on this because it is so important to talk about these things. Right. And so even as we move on to gaslighting, here's just some other words that kind of just help describe gaslighting. It says they trivialize, Mm -hmm. trivialize, they minimize feelings, suggest your emotions don't matter or accuse you of overreacting. Ooh, countering. So they question your memory and then they make up new details or deny that something happened that actually did happen. And then in turn, they switch the narrative so that you're being blamed for something that they did. Again, and, and again, there's so much of of the the projection and gaslighting work together. It's, oh my it's goodness. bizarre how and the two work together so much. So yep. withholding, they brush off your attempts to have a discussion or accuse you of trying to confuse them. Then they divert. So when you bring up a concern about a behavior or something that they've done, they change the subject or turn the narrative around to make it look like you're making it up. Well, it's almost like they're allergic to taking responsibility for the behavior. Oh, for sure. Right? Forgetting or denying. This one was so obvious with uh, the stuff that we walked through with your family. When you mention a specific event or something they said, they might say they can't remember or tell you it happened at all. Right. That, like sometimes that literally like two hours later. Like something yeah. happened, it was not good. You're like, okay, we got to deal with this. And just being, oh, that's not what happened. That's not what was said. And there sometimes was a cloud of witnesses. Like oh, gosh. eight people were there, eight people were present. They all said it happened. And that person would just deny it, deny it, yeah. deny it. It was bizarre. Um, It got to the point, and it does get to the point where the person who is the recipient right. of this kind of awful behavior I mean, I went through ridiculous tactics so that I could remain sane in what I know to be true. Right. So I took photos of everything. I took photos and documentation of cards um, so that it never, if someone came back and countered and said, hey, uh, this person said that you said this about them in the card, I had the proof to prove otherwise. It was so ridiculous. I recorded phone calls. I recorded text messages and things like that so that I could stay one step ahead of the person who was causing all the ruckus. Right. And so the next one is discrediting. They suggest to other people that you can't remember things correctly, get confused easily or make things up. They can threaten your career when it happens at work. Right. So the story, and I think you'll notice (laughs) a lot of these, um, as we broke down what gaslighting is in the story. Um, do you want to start? No, you go ahead. Is this about? Well, go ahead. You, you want me to start? Well, yeah, I guess you can. I was a smoker. <laughs> I was. You actually heard us touch, touch on it a little bit in the past episodes, but I was a smoker. I was a smoker for quite a long time. And Natalie wanted me to quit smoking. Mm-hmm. And when I was actually ready to quit smoking, she asked me a long time ago or long before, but I'd never wanted to quit. And so eventually it came to the point where 
I was I really did genuinely genuinely want to quit. One, my kids were seeing that I was smoking, and, mm-hmm. and so I didn't want that. It wasn't healthy, and I wanted to be around in the relationship for as long as possible. And smoking possibly can take that away from me, so I didn't want to do that. And so I quit. Um, but I struggled. <laughs> right. I I quit smoking, but I struggled probably for four or five years on and off. And what would happen was is that I would be I wouldn't smoke for five or six months, and then one day I just go out and I and I actually quit cigarettes, but I switched to cigars, thinking, well, that's going to help me quit cigarettes. Yeah. And it just made it worse. But I kept smoking. Uh, and so I'd smoke for sometimes a week or two and she would catch me, uh, smelling like smoke, but I worked around smokers. Mm. And so I would hang out with them and I would smell like smoke or she would find the wrappers in my pocket. And I would straight up because, and, and here's, here's where I wasn't coming at it from a, a, a side of power or trying to prove I was just from it. Like I was ashamed. I was ashamed and I was guilty. <laughs> and so I would tell her, oh, that's not mine. That's someone else's. I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know how that got there. You're crazy. That didn't, and some of the language that we used, yep. even in describing what a gaslighter I yep. did, and I did out of um, my own shame, my own guilt, and my own, so the shame that I didn't, I wasn't never, I really enjoyed smoking and that was a problem, but I was ashamed that I still smoked um, and that she caught me and I was guilty in the fact that I, just, I was still smoking. Mm-hmm. And so it was out of a place of shame. Right. There is something to be said, and this was, you know, this uh, this came out when we had first moved back here, which was almost seven years ago. Right. So we're still, I was still in the thick or the real sort of just beginning of the eye opening of mm-hmm. um, the family dynamics that we were now uh, involved in. Remember, we lived away for many years, so we were removed from that. Now we were right smack dab in the middle so dealing with all of that um i knew in my spirit call it women's intuition a gut feeling i knew that you were smoking because we've been together for a long time and there's no way that you would hold on to someone else's wrappers in your pocket and think that I would believe that you were hanging on to someone else's wrappers. I still can't believe you didn't believe that it was mine. Like, I mean, obviously. So then I became obsessed and I was like, I know that you are lying. (laughs) And I know, you know that I know you're lying. And so I was like, I will grab receipts. I will. I'm going to catch you. And when I do, I will reign holy hell because I cannot believe. And the attack is, I can't believe you're so defensive. How could, how dare you accuse me of these kinds of things when all in actuality, okay, you hadn't smoked the moment I asked you, but that didn't negate the fact that you were smoking. Yeah. It might've been not two minutes before the fact that I asked or you, but even you justified day. the fact that, well, I wasn't smoking at the time she was asking me. Yeah. Well, no kidding, because that would have blown your cover, right? <laughs> this went on for months. Yeah. And when I mention something to someone, here's the projection. So that person's response to me was, you know, if you keep nagging about um, Brian smoking and stuff like that, like that's just going to pull him away from you and that's going to make him continue to want to keep smoking. Yeah, that's not how that works. So then that was that person's insecurity 
about right. that whole thing being projected onto me. Like, how could you know that he would respond that way? Are you in his mind? No. Right. But then fear took hold and I'm like, oh, I must be nagging. Oh my goodness. Well, I guess I have to shut up about it because I don't want him to like disassociate or or move away right. from me as his... Do you see how this spins out of control? Let me tell you the moment that um, it all came to a head and you might think that it won't come to a head and that you can get away with it. Let me tell you, it always gets found out. Your sin will find you out. Exactly. And there was a, I have, it sounds so awful to say this, but when you are the recipient of someone doing this, there is a validation. There is a sense of, I'll be honest, superiority that came over when I was right. I remember. And I, boy, did I let you know it. What? Because you had made me feel like I was an absolute crazy nut for making things up in my head that I knew were true. And you tried to manipulate the narrative so that I'd get off your back. Mm -hmm. Um, And it didn't work. Now, my response to that wasn't okay either. But I felt justified for the hell that you put me through in that so you might think it's just smoking. You fill in the narrative for your relationship. Right. For us, that was the one that really stood out in my mind as That's far as really gaslighting. It could be porn. It could be friends. It could be family. You gambling. It could, gambling. It could be another addiction. Put whatever your situation is in that whole thing. And, and people justify, well, it's just cigarettes. Like it's not like it's that um big of it. It could be worse. But even and you're right, it was just cigarettes. I mean, there could have been worse things. It could things. have been worse. And I think even one of the arguments, well, I could be out there doing heroin. Yeah, but, I mean, you did say that. Yeah, but th- that wasn't the point. The, the The truth about it was, is that I had told her I was going to quit. And instead of just coming to her and being like, you know what, I'm weak in this. I'm really struggling. Yeah, I struggled and I messed up. I struggled up. and I, I, you I, know, I messed up this week. I bought a pack of cigarettes or a cigar, you know, like... Instead of just owning up to the fact that I was really struggling with it, yeah. I was trying to hide it from her yeah. because I was too proud to come to her. And so instead of me just dealing with it and manning up and just being yep. like, all right, I'm going to deal with this face on, I gaslit her and and tried her. to make it feel like she was crazy and I was the one that was unjustified. Oh, so the, yeah. and, and so you're right. They're, like they're, it, I remember that. I remember the feelings I felt when, when that was happening. Right. I knew that it was going on. I knew this is what I was doing. But I was so filled with shame about the fact that you knew about this. I was getting caught. I wasn't actually yeah. quitting smoking. And so. And, was- I, and I, th- I think I remember telling you, you took away my ability to be like, you, there's an issue here. Yeah. And we're going to work through, like, what can I do to help you right. work through this? It, in the end, it wasn't the fact that you had smoked. It's the fact that you had lied about it and then, and then right. told and kept telling this narrative that I knew wasn't true. That's what that's what put me over the edge. And that's probably that that really is for a lot of relationships. That's that's where it is. It, like, look, you, you struggle with something. Yeah. Most people are willing to work these things out because they love each other. Yeah. And they find they there's value there, and they've they've built relationship. But that's right. If you keep crying wolf, almost like a reverse cry wolf kind of thing, and this is where you've laid that relationship. It was normal for me to hide it instead of that mm-hmm. being the exception. Exactly. And so right? what's an antidote to gaslighting? Well, you have to be 
confident in your reality. And stand up for yourself. And yeah, you have to stand up for yourself. And if you're looking for someone else to validate you, you are going to fall prey to gaslighting. Um, That's just how it goes. So you need to be confident in your reality. If you have to journal your experience so that you can remain in the right state of mind, do it. Um, And ultimately what helped me was professional help. Right. Um, This is one of those areas that is sneaky. I listened to a psychologist on YouTube. It's Dr. Romani, and I hope to God I pronounced her name right. She, I was like, where have you been all my life? This woman does not know who I am. She has, oh, she's phenomenal. She has a whole series on narcissism and gaslighting. And she had said that this here, what I'm going to share with you is also a form of gaslighting, which I would have never pegged as gaslighting. So she says, you have, and this actually happened to me, (laughs) where I went to a Christmas party uh, with someone in my family. And oh my gosh, all the stops were pulled out. I remember looking, going, who are you? This is what I was thinking. I'm like, this is not how you are behind closed doors. But so put on this narrative to people that they didn't know. Mm -hmm. And I began to question, well, maybe... Maybe I was overreacting. Maybe they are so really just, like so this. So clarification, she pulled out all the stops. Yeah, and, like and all the charm and, and all the you. praising me. And I'm like, who are you? And what have you done? Like, this is not who I know you to be. Right. And and so as you the questioned. evening progressed, I started to question myself. And I'm like, gee, this person really is nice and is really up, like held in high Even regard. Though- even though I knew. and all, But even though you knew and all of the reality and the history before that yep. had proven otherwise, exactly. it was because they were doing like a reverse gaslight. And then when wow. we're out of that situation, that person turns into the wow. chocolate covered dragon, right? Dragon. And just turns back to, and you're like, what the heck? You were, you were just like that. Like, who's the real you here? Yeah, absolutely. And uh, so I just wanted to plug that in. If you have a chance to listen to her, um, that also is a form of gaslighting. And so um, there are resources available through YouTube, through counseling services in your city. Um, Reach out for help. Yeah, reach out for help because I think so many people are, like they've fallen prey to this and it's it's an ugly cycle and have no, feels like you, you have no way out. And for me, for family, I have had to go no contact. Right. And some of you might be like, well, I can't do that. Then you need to establish some really severe boundaries. That's a whole different discussion. That's a whole different yeah, discussion, we, we, right? So um, an antidote for myself in my situation was to go no contact. Right. And so we can go deeper into what that looks like and how that happened and what sort of led up there. Um, but that is not an easy road either. Right. And so the antidote for this is to stand up for yourself, be aware, like yeah. for both of these projections, confident be confident in, your, in your, reality. your reality and the things that you know to be true. Yep. And um, don't disown those negative parts of yourself. Really take self-awareness and, and self-reflection. be responsible for your actions. Yep. Be accountable for what you're doing. That's right. If you are enjoying the Amplified Marriage podcast, it means so much. Uh, when you share it and let people know uh, about us, you can uh, follow us on Instagram and on Facebook. And if there is a topic, mm-hmm. if there is a question or anything you would like us to discuss, please email us at amplifiedmarriage at gmail.com. Someone just emailed in this last week and just mm. gave us an amazing topic. 
about uh, addictions in relationship, yep. how that actually affects the relationship. And so in the near future, we're going to be talking about this. Yep. It is uh, it is a really big topic. It's not something we can just bite off in one episode. No. And as you have heard us say many times before, we believe that marriage can be reset, refreshed, recharged, and restored. Thanks for listening. Talk to you soon.